New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. Com. We're going to start today, guys, with our affirmation of the day. Everybody put a guys on hashtag affirmation. Got to get your mind right as we get ready for the meet of today. The affirmation of the day is this. On August 27th, says this. This comes out of the book, Daily Motivations for African-American Success by the same author. Today, I will reserve some time just to dream and remove hatred from my heart. Today, I will reserve some time just to dream and remove hatred from my heart. Let's do it again. Today, I will reserve some time just to dream and remove hatred from my heart. Now, here's what I find very interesting. Some key words in this affirmation, guys. Number one, reserve. That means we have to set apart. We have to actually schedule. We have to say we're going to get away from everything else. And I'm going to take this time, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour of my day. And I'm going to reserve. I'm going to seclude it. I'm going to make it a sacred place. I'm going to get away from everything else. I'm going to reserve some time. And then after that, I said, man, why am I going to reserve this time so that I can dream? Now, some of you guys say dream. Some of you guys say visualize. I'm going to reserve some time today just so I can dream. I'm going to get away from all the hustle and bustle just so I can dream. You know what I used to do? My, I, I used to reserve my lunchtime when I was on the job, when I had a job. Right? I reserved some time during lunch. I had 30 minutes to eat, 30 minutes to dream. And that helped me so much to, to, to broadcast and to forecast and to, and, and to outcast, to really take my life to where I wanted to be. 30 minutes to eat, 30 minutes to drink. Lunch every day. I reserved some time to drink. And guess what happened? It helped me to remove hatred from my heart. I mean, I really didn't like being at that job anymore. And some of us, we got hatred in our heart for where we work at right now. That's just an example, but to remove hatred from my heart. Will you reserve some time today 
just to dream, just to visualize, just to figure out where you want your life to be and quite possibly figure out how you're going to get there, right? It all begins with a dream, but then we must work on our dream. It goes on to say this, that it's impossible to hate when you're so busy dreaming. It's impossible to hate when you're so busy dreaming. I want you to say, I want to tell you right now this morning, grand, uh, beautiful people, that if you woke up with hatred in your heart, uh, and maybe it's time to get away from that and start thinking about the things that you want out of life. It's impossible to think about the things that you want out of life and, uh, and have hate in your heart at the same time. If you have hate in your heart, it means you're thinking about something that you probably shouldn't be thinking about. It's impossible to hate when you're so busy dreaming. You're so busy thinking about what you want. You're so busy thinking about where you're going. You're so busy thinking about what you want to contribute to this world. Will you take time today just, just to dream? Just to dream. Everybody put in the comments on hashtag dream. Thanks so much for joining us here today on, on Instagram. These sweet strawberries in the house. Thanks so much for being here, Miss Almanor. Fantastic. Uh, Facebook Live, Mr. Ray Wilkson. Thanks so much for joining. Good morning to you. Angela Alexander, double A. Double A is in the house. Grand rising to you. Kings and queens. Thanks so much for being here. New Black Washington Book Club. The affirmation of the day again. Today, I'll reserve some time just to dream and remove hatred from my heart. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Man, that's such a wonderful affirmation, is it not? I mean, I needed that this morning. As we get into our main text for today, what makes the great great? What makes the great great? And today we're going to be talking about the nine. We're going to go through all nine. We started it yesterday. We couldn't finish it. Uh, but we're going to finish it. We're going to go through all of them today. The nine disciplines of wealth. The nine disciplines of wealth. Now, I figured where I would start at, and I was I would start by actually defining the word discipline because I thought this was so important for us to get an understanding of this. Discipline from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which is uh, since 1828, says this, that discipline is control gained by enforcing obedience or order. Uh, it's, it's an orderly or prescribed conduct, conduct or pattern of behavior. And then the third definition says that basically discipline just means self-control. Everybody putting comments on self-control. Now I find it interesting that self-control is also, uh, uh, from the good book it says, it's a fruit of the spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And so discipline and or self-control, basically to discipline yourself for you to do what's necessary to get what you want. For you to create a pattern of behavior that'll help you get to what you where you want, get what you want, and get how you want it. It's a control gain, control, 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 gain 
by enforcing obedience or order, orderly or prescribed conduct or a pattern of behavior. Right now, I want you to think about the disciplines in which you're enforcing your life and ask yourself that with these, with these, with these, with this pattern of behavior that you may currently be um, operating in, will it help you get to where you want? Will it help? I mean, I'm telling you, this is where we have to actually get to a place of honesty and ask ourselves, with my current pattern of behavior, right? With my current pattern of spending, with my current spending habits, are my spending habits helping me to build wealth or not? My current pattern of behavior with where I say I want to be, where I say I want to go, is my current pattern of behavior, my current disciplines that I uh, that I implement. Are they helping me to get to where I, want, I say I want to go? And here's the deal, guys. If you're saying that you want to build wealth, well, we're going to go through nine disciplines that are recommended for us to implement into our lives to create to enforce, everybody putting down so enforce, to enforce, right, a pattern of behavior that'll get us to wealth building or the creation of wealth or that power that we know that we all have. A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric Marketplace. We make group economics easy. The nine disciplines of wealth. Number one, the very first thing, the most important thing is clarity. To be clear, to know what you want, to know where you want to be, to know what you want out of life, the nine disciplines of wealth. Now, how is wealth created and maintained by seemingly average men and women with no special skills or talents? What do wealthy, the wealthy do on a consistent basis? What disciplines have they developed or do they follow that allow them to achieve their dreams? Over the past decade, I've been exposed to the best and the brightest. I've interviewed many wealthy people. I've read countless books on money and capital, its creation and growth, and I found one thing to be certain of those who control vast resources. They don't allow money to master them. They master money. They don't allow money to master them. They master money. Uh, these individuals take certain actions and follow consistent routines that allow them to create and maintain considerable wealth. They plan, they dream, they save, invest, and give. 
and a never-ending cycle of financial prosperity. To drive the point home, they utilize the nine disciplines of wealth. First discipline, clarity. Clarity is defined as a vision for life. Uh, the ability to determine exactly what you want. The men and women of this study possess the ability to set clear, well-defined goals, as well as to formulate plans for the achievement of those goals. Many have developed a mindset that allows them to tune out distractions to give absolute attention to their top priorities. Clarity is the master skill of success that unleashes the power of gold. Clarity unlocks the door to wealth, happiness, high self-esteem, and the accompanying feelings of pride, satisfaction, and success. Clarity is essential for those who seek financial independence. Now, kings and queens, uh, good morning to you, Miss Kenny. Kings and queens, this is the starting point. This is the beginning of all achievement. Clarity. Knowing exactly what you want, knowing exactly where you want to be, Basically, we call this setting the destination. And in so many cases, when I talk to people and we start getting into where they want to be in life, they actually have no absolute, all they know is they don't want to be where they are. But when we start talking about, well, where do you want to be? It's very difficult for them to articulate it very clearly. This is where I want to be. And I want you to understand that until you get to that point where you are crystal clear on what you want, how much you want, where you want to be, this is the beginning. The vision itself must be clear in order to us to then create a plan on how you can get there. My question to you this morning, as this is the preeminent, this is numero uno, clarity. Do you know what you want? Do you know exactly where you want to be? Do you know exactly how much you want to make? And then you do you know exactly what you're willing to sacrifice to get it? Do you know? Is it crystal clear? This is so important. Most people are stuck simply because they're not clear of where they want to be. It's not that they can't get there. They just don't know where they want to go. Clarity. The starting point of all achievement is knowing what you want, where you want to go, and what you're willing to sacrifice to get it. Clarity. The second discipline of wealth, of the nine disciplines of wealth, he says, hey, finding the right work. The right vocation is what he says. Uh, the wealthy chase the dream, not the rainbow. They are driven more by the prospects of success and enjoyment uh, than by money. 
when you are passionately engaged in your work, it feels natural and right. And you feel alive and capable of extraordinary things. Your imagination opens up and you find a steady stream of new ideas, better ways of feeding your vocation. On the other hand, if you lack passion for your chosen field, you are losing money. Because as it turns out, your work is more likely to make you wealthy than any investment or any business opportunity which you are only half-heartedly attracted. Your work is likely to make you wealthy. Your work is likely to make you wealthy. Your work, your job, where you currently are, it's likely to make you wealthy more than any investment or any other new business opportunity which you only half-heartedly attract. Now, Matthew 6, 21, out of the good book, says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, that begs the question, people, kings and queens, this morning, where is your treasure? Where do you spend your money? Where do you invest? Where your treasure is, who do you invest in? What do you invest in? Where is your treasure? Now, this book was written over 2,000 years ago, and these principles remain the same. Where your treasure is, where your money is, there's something connected between your money and your heart. Isn't that interesting? Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Successful people regard material rewards as a byproduct, not a goal of success. They do what they love to do. They work near the heart of things. They discover their right voice. Those that I've observed found a labor of love, an area of excellence, something they love doing. What do you love to do? A field in which they became completely absorbed and engaged an area in which they can become proficient. What is striking is that many within the study talk about their work in the same manner that others describe a hobby. Each was willing to pay any price to go any distance to invest his or her time to find the correct vocation. They know that if you seek your dream, if you do what you love, the money will follow. Now, this begs the question because for some of us, it's very difficult for us to really comprehend this. I mean, it's easy to say that if you do what you love, right? But it's another thing when you're looking at those bills and say, man, I really would love to do what I love to do, but I got to do what I have to do. Well, here's what I found, people, is that it might be true that you, you might absolutely need to, not even that you might, you absolutely do need to do what you need to do right now. But it does not mean that you can't still carve out time within your day, within your week, within your month to do what you love to do. And that way you can satisfy both. I'm doing what I got to do to keep the bills paid, but now I'm spending time doing what I love to do. And I want you to understand this, that eventually, everybody put in the comments on eventually, eventually what you love to do will supersede what you have to do. I'll also venture to say this, that eventually, what you love to do, if you really do it and consistently do it, the same. think about it for a second. You do what you have to do consistently. That's that job quite possibly that you're at five days a week, 40 hours a week, four, five days a week, 40 hours a week, 
right? You go there every day, eight hours a day. You do that consistently. What happens if you actually consistently work on what you love to do? What if it wasn't just a sometime thing? But what if it was an all the time thing? What if you consistently, even if it wasn't eight hours a day, what if it was just one hour a day? You said this one hour a day, as we talked about earlier in the affirmation, reserving time. If you set aside time, one hour a day to work on what you love, to do what you love, for example, right? There's some things that I absolutely love to do. I absolutely love to promote black owned businesses. And I used to have this show called The Black Virtual Marketplace. I love to do it, but it wasn't paying me. And so I stopped doing it. And now I'm feeling the weight of what I stopped doing because I love to do it, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have to do it. And now I'm bringing it back because that's something that I just simply love to do. Now I was, I was, I was kind of spurned by you know, what has happened with the whole Chick-fil-A thing. I said, you know, I'm not gonna be a person that's gonna complain about all these people going in, in droves to go to this damn Popeyes. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recreate what I had already created, bring it back. And now we're going to have a place of space in order for us to really, really support one another. I just had to create something. It's just something that I love to do. Now, is that something I'm going to do all day, every day, but it's something I'm going to carve out time. I will reserve time in my day to do what I love to do. What about you? What is it that you love to do? And are you willing to carve out, reserve some time in your day to do what you love to do? Or are you going to just spend all of your day just doing what you have to do and never actually tapping into your labor of love? I just want you to really think about it for a second. What would happen? How much joy would you have in your life? How fulfilled would you be if you decided that you were going to carve out time, reserve some space in your life to do what you love? to do your labor of love and it might not it might it might not be full time it might be part time but eventually your part time will become full time why because you love it you do it consistently and that's what you want to do it's almost impossible to keep money coming to keep money from flowing into the person that's operating in love would you agree it's almost impossible for money not to flow into or to the person who is doing what they love, who is operating in love. The greatest force on earth, the most attractive force on earth, doing what you love to do. How many of you guys that are watching right now here on Facebook Live, Instagram Live are saying, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment to consistently do what I love to do. If it's 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day. If I can consistently do what I have to do, if I can consistently go to this job each and every week or whatever it is that you do, will you can make a commitment to consistently do what you love to do, even if it's on a part-time basis, until your part-time becomes your full-time. Anybody willing to make that commitment today? 
We're going through the book, What Makes the Great Great by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough and the nine disciplines of wealth. Now, you must understand that discipline simply means self-control. The big key word is self. You got to decide and then control. You're not out of control. You're in control, right? Uh, a pattern of behavior, your habits, self, meaning that you have something to do with this and control your pattern of behavior. So self-control that leads to wealth. Many of us say we want wealth in our life, but are we willing to operate or to discipline ourselves into a pattern of behavior or create habits in our life that will lead us to wealth? Number one, clarity. Number two, finding the right work. Number three, superior sales skills. The third discipline of wealth is superior sales skills. These skills require the ability to influence, persuade, and motivate others to use your products and services, the ability to interact effectively, convey ideas and thoughts in a positive manner. The millionaires I have interviewed possess high levels of ambition and their pattern, they pattern their behavior after leaders in their field. They view themselves as thoroughly prepared, completely competent sales professionals, tough enough to deal with any rejection, capable of overcoming any objection, and caring enough to help others attain their goals. So the third discipline of wealth is superior sales skills. Now let's break this down for just a minute. Number one, we must understand what sales is. Sales is nothing more than the ability to influence, persuade, and motivate others. Can you do that? Absolutely. There are some things that you, you persuade people to do all the time. Matter of fact, if you got kids, you're persuading your kids to do stuff all the time. If you're on a job, you're probably persuading your peers, your coworkers to do stuff all the time. The, tip, the thing is, uh, we just we just simply misuse this ability. Matter of fact, many of us have recommended that others go try out the Popeye's chicken. That's you influencing, that's you persuading, that's you motivating others to do something, but it doesn't necessarily benefit you. Or if you use those same talents, those same skills, that same ability to influence, persuade, and motivate people to buy your product or to try your service. You'll, we'll do it for other people, but will we do it for ourselves? We'll do it for other businesses, but will we do it for ourselves? The ability to influence. Did you not influence someone? The ability to persuade. Have you not persuaded someone at some point in time in your life? And the ability to motivate. Have you not motivated someone at some point in time in your life? So don't tell me that you're not a salesperson. You absolutely are. You just turn it on and turn it off. You use it when you want to use it. And typically what I found is that we use it for others instead of ourselves, instead of our own, instead of our own community. We use it to persuade others for others. Now let's keep going. Uh, you know, uh, the biggest part of this whole superior sales skills is called communication. Everybody put a console on communication. 
The biggest part is just basically saying, hey, become a better communicator of your ideas. Become a better communicator with other people. Not just be, don't be the person that's always talking. Be a person that makes some time to actually listen. Become a better communicator. If you want to build wealth, guess where that wealth is typically going to come from? From other people. And if we understand that, it says, well, hey, I must become a better communicator with other people so that it makes it easier for me to get that money from other people. Superior sales skill. Now, here's the thing. They pattern their behavior after leaders in their field. Right now, I want to think about the field that you're in. Number one question I got to ask for you, do you know the leaders that's in your field? Then number two, do you know how they operate? That book right there behind us, The Black Billionaire's Club, it's a study of black wealth. You continue to hear me say it all the time. If you want to be wealthy, study wealthy people. Guess what? I put those wealthy people in a book. So for those who do want to study, they actually have a place to go and study or something they can get to study wealthy people. Well, what about the people that's in your field, that's leading the field? I see so many businesses who do not study their competition, who does not know what their competition is doing that they're not doing. And I'm not talking about competition. I'm talking about their top level competition. Because at the end of the day, you, I don't think you're in business or you do what you do with no matter what it is for you to be average. I think you do it so that you can be the absolute best. Well, here's the deal. If you're not the best right now, why not study the best? and figure out what the best is doing that you're not doing and begin to implement some of those strategies, some of those habits, some of those behaviors so that you can discipline yourself to wealth. Superior sales skills. Superior sales skills. rising to you, Miss uh, Vivian Reed. Thanks so much for joining. And I want to say, hey, I'll commit to doing what it takes to be successful. Absolutely. Communication. Become a community, better communicator with other people. So we're talking about the nine disciplines of wealth. Number one, clarity. Number two, finding the right work. Number three, superior sales skills. And number four, the ability to execute ideas. This is another one. So many people simply don't execute. Everybody put in the comments on execute. Any successful plan or mission has two essential elements. The conception of that plan and the execution of that plan. Without a successful linkage of the two, the plan fails. Those who succeed know that society pays for results, not efforts. Moreover, execution is so crucial to achievement that it can be considered not simply an important factor, but the foundation upon which all hopes and visions are built. At some point during their careers, these men and women discovered that the marketplace became more enthused after they proved their ideas, not before. Therefore, they moved forward and willingly took charge of implementing their bold plans. They grabbed hold of any situation and rely upon their own ability to carry them to a financial success. Consistent, dependable execution is the hallmark to, great, to greatness. Now notice this. Men and women of high achievement, they understand that your haters... The people who don't believe in whatever it is that you're saying, you're thinking, or you're, you're dreaming, or whatever, 
you don't really have to say anything because what happens is you will prove them right and or wrong, right? Once you have executed your idea. You know what? Ideas are kind of like opinions. Everybody has them. I mean, everybody gets ideas. They're just kind of like opinions. But, but what about the people who execute those ideas? They prove their ideas to be true. They prove their ideas to be right and or wrong. They prove it. And it becomes, it, it's no longer a theory. It, 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 it's no longer a pie in the sky. It is actual tangible results, good or bad. And that, you know what, I can live with. I can live with the good and or bad that comes from the execution of my ideas, not just the conception of my ideas. I know so many visionaries, so many visionaries. They all talk about what's coming down the pipe, what can happen, what may happen, what will happen in the future. And I'm like, okay, all these are grand ideas, which one are you gonna focus on to execute? Because it ain't going to just happen. You got to make it happen. Everybody put a gun, so make it happen. It doesn't just happen. I want you to stop thinking like it just it doesn't just happen. It may happen, but normally it doesn't just happen. It's the people in the world who make it happen. They don't wait to be great. They make it happen. But there's other people in the world who's hoping it will happen. You know what? They wish it will happen. Uh, one day it may happen. They can't wait on someone else to do it. And guess what? The person who does this is the person who gets rich, not the person who wishes that somebody else did it. You got to make it happen. I'm telling you, at some point in time, I want you to understand, move from just hope. Move from just prayer. I mean, prayer should move you to action at some point. Prayer should, prayer should lead. Prayer, actually, when you pray, it typically gives you some type of direction, some type of guidance, something for you to do. We got to move beyond just praying, just hoping, just wishing. And so, you know what? This is the dream that God has given me. And here are the instructions that he gave me as well. Here are the guidelines he gave me to follow. Here's the wisdom that I've been getting. Wisdom is practical application, by the way. I'm going to make it happen. I mean, just think about it. Noah got this grand idea of a boat. What if he just sat around all day like, one day God is going to build this boat. One day, God is going to build this boat. Guess what Noah, what, guess what will happen to Noah? Noah would have drowned in that water just like everybody else. And some of you are drowning in the water just like everybody else because you're stuck in a perpetual state of hope Prayer and wishful thinking. There's a difference between wishful thinking and a reality. Some of you are stuck in a perpetual state of wishful thinking. Make it happen. Get to work. The ability to execute ideas. discipline of wealth. Discipline being self-control. Discipline being a pattern of behavior. Things that you and I are, that, that, he re that the author recommends that we do uh, in and of ourselves 
to get to wealth, to build wealth, to create wealth, to have wealth in our life. Number five, persistence. Persistence. Self-made millionaires are realistic enough to expect challenges and setbacks. Or further, they do not become disappointed, discouraged, or depressed by difficulties or temporary defeat. They resolve in advance that they will never give up. Typically, they see opportunities in adversity or the seed of an equivalent benefit. They find promise where others find pessimism. Nothing in the world will take the place of persistence. The courage to persist in the face of adversity and disappointment is a key quality that guarantees Success. Everybody put it down. So persist. Uh, there's a good uh, scroll in the uh, in the greatest sales world. It says, "I will persist until I succeed." And, I, I, and I'm telling you, it's not it's not it's not always the easiest. Sometimes it's easy to give up. That's what easy. That's the easy way out. Sometimes it's easy to stop trying. Sometimes it's easy to to look at your current results and say, "Man, I guess it's just not going to happen." But that's not. The people who make it in this world are not the people who give up so easily. Some of you, some of us just simply lack heart. I mean, one little thing comes across your way, you really just, I mean, especially in relationships, by the way, we lack heart. Like, okay, somebody made a mistake. That don't mean you just give up on the marriage because one mistake was made. My God, well, your heart was never in it. You just simply lack heart. Grit. Persist. Things are going to happen. The people, uh, the self-made millionaires in this world, the successful people in the world, no shit is going to happen. Matter of fact, when you watch this movie for it's going to be got a little thing that says, ish happens. Shit happens. So what? It happens to us all. So when shit happens in your life, do you just easily give up? Do you say, oh, this must have happened to keep so that I won't do what I wanted to do, what I, what I was headed towards doing, and therefore I'm not going to, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm telling you, I believe that this stuff happens really to test your resolve. I believe challenges come across your path to see how serious you really are about accomplishing your goal. I don't think it's there to stop you. I think it's there to test your metal, your fortification, your iron will. I think it's there to, 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 to grow you. To make you better and stronger. But some of us don't keep pushing the iron. We don't keep moving forward. We don't keep posting the post. We don't keep reaching out. We don't keep going to the place that, that, that we know we should be. We simply see some objective, uh, some object in our way, some, some obstacle, and then we become disappointed. Well, let me ask you this. Why would you become disappointed when you know at some point in time Something's going to come across your path. Something's going to get in your way. Matter of fact, if it, you know, if, if, if it were that easy, then everybody would be successful. But no, most people stop in the face of adversity. Are you the kind of person who lets adversity stop you or lets adversity fuel you? See, I'm the type of guy when adversity comes across my path, when I first, you know, when it first comes, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? I mean, it really does, it gives me a, a check, a check up from the neck up. But I'll be damned if it stopped me. I mean, it might make me pause, but I'll be damned if it stopped me. Ain't, nobody, ain't nothing gonna stop me. I mean, the only thing that can stop me is death itself. 
I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep posting. I'm going to keep posting up. I'm going to keep selling. I'm going to keep showing. I'm going to keep doing it. Nothing's going to stop me except death itself. Damn that. I done come too far. I done worked too hard. Ain't no stopping us now, baby. Persist. I will persist until I succeed or until I die. How about you? Now, we must understand this beautiful people, kings and queens. Look where we come from. We come from a a lineage of strength and wisdom. Matter of fact, it takes courage to persist. Everybody put in the comments on courage. It takes courage to persist. It, it takes courage to be bold as a lion. It, it takes courage to do what no one else is willing to do. Knowing that you eventually will be able to live a life that no one else can afford to live. It takes courage to keep going. It takes courage to take the next step. It takes courage to persist. As this is a, oh, it's a, it's a commercial that says, got milk. Here's my question to you. Got courage? Got courage. I mean, courage is much better than milk. Do you got courage? I will persist until I succeed. Period. You see why self-development is so important? See why the New Black Wall Street Book Club is so important? Help people to build from the inside out. A quick word from our sponsor. nine disciplines of wealth. Again, we must understand what discipline is. Discipline is a pattern of behavior. Discipline is self-control. Are you in control of yourself? The sixth discipline to wealth. A dedication to lifelong learning. Uh, surprisingly, education is not required for great financial achievement. Several of the multimillionaires within the study never ventured past the 10th grade. Though I found these men and women to be no more gifted than others throughout society, each had developed an insatiable desire for knowledge and information. They stand out because they had taken the time to prepare, to read and study, to develop their full potential to a level considerably above average. Having a commitment to wealth means becoming a student of wealth. Everybody put it down so student of wealth. That's why I keep saying, it just sounds so interesting. I keep saying study money, study wealth. That's what you want to do. And not everybody don't want to be wealthy. I understand that. Everybody don't want to be rich. Everybody don't want it. That's not what everybody wants. But I'm just talking about, I'm talking to the people that do want it. Study wealth. They live by this maxim. If you wish to be successful, 
study success. If you wish to be happy, study happiness. If you desire great wealth, study the acquisition of wealth. Everybody put it in the comments, so study. That, that, that begs the question I must ask this morning. What are you studying? See, here's the deal, guys. You know, what we think about, we bring about. So what we, what we, uh, you know, consciously study is what we begin, where we begin to go. I'm telling you, man, I became, a, I became an excellent, I became a master video game player because that's what I studied. I studied the video game. I studied the art of it. I studied how to play it. I studied the counters. I mean, I know some people that know Madden football all too well. They study NBA 2K. That's what they studied. That's what they become a master at. I'm just saying the same discipline that it took for you to learn NBA 2K, that it took for you to learn how to become a master Madden player, is the same same uh, uh, principles that is going to require if you want to build wealth. Study it. Learn all you can about it. Same. It's the same. It's the same principle. Different. You know, a different methodology. I mean, really, if you think about it, it's like, how are you so good at it? You know, all the plays, you know, all the counters, you got all the, all the stuff, everything. You've been studying that game so long that you become a master at it. Well, what happens if you study wealth that long? Won't you become a master at that too? Can you not learn anything that you want to learn? Is there anything stopping you from learning what you may want to learn? No. I mean, it's free to go to the library. It's free to be on uh, to get on Google. It, it's free to go on YouTube and look some stuff up. Well, what are you going to study? What are you studying? What have you become a master at? They read and read and read. It's their curiosity that propels them forward. It's their curiosity. Uh, education involves both learning of the new and unlearning of the old. Regardless of their educational background, they remain teachable. They simply have to know each views learning as a lifelong process. The eighth step in the uh, in my class, uh, you know, um, how, to, how to own your, how to buy your first stock. The eighth step is always be learning. Always be learning. I mean, I don't know everything there is to know about money. I don't know everything there is to know about wealth. There's so much more I have to learn. Matter of fact, this morning I was listening to Robert Kiyosaki. I was just like, let me just tune into his channel. Let me hear what the brother has to say. Let me learn. Let me study. Why? Because I simply had to know. Do you have to know? Matter of fact, for many of us, here's what I found. For many of us, the day we left high school and or college is the day we stopped learning. The day we left high school and or college is the day we decided I'm an adult now. I'm no longer going to be subject to this type of teaching. I am no longer teachable. Now think about this for a second. For many of you, it's 20 years ago. Your learning stopped 20 years ago? 20, you, you, you haven't developed in 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years. You stopped learning. You stopped studying. The only difference is now you have a choice. You do what you want to learn. 
For some, you want to learn agriculture. That's cool. Go out and make a garden. For others, it's other things. But I'm just saying, for, for so many people, the day they left high school and or the day they left college is the day they decided they were no longer going to be teachable. It was the day they decided they learned all that they needed to know here in this life. And that was 20 years ago. How far behind are you? 20 years ago? 30 years ago. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you're a lifelong learner, there's no such thing as stuck in your way. You don't become a person who, you, you become a person who is always ever evolving in this world because you're always ever evolving in your knowledge. The people who get stuck in their ways are the people who've decided that they're no longer willing to learn. That, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Why is that? Because the old dog became unteachable. That's why the old dog became unteachable. Here's the other part that I learned. The old dog, he wants to teach, which is fine. Got a lot of wisdom, got a lot of experience, but here's the problem, old dog. You want to teach as if it's 20 years ago, as if it's 30 years ago, not as if it's 2019. So even as an old dog, if you want to teach, you still must be a learner for today so that you can teach in a way that is that is that is relevant for 2019, for 2020, not 1979. So either way, you still have to be teachable. In order to teach, you got to be teachable. Think about your teachers. What if they never evolved in their teaching style? What if they never learned anything new? You're sitting here in 2019, they teach you as if it's 1968. That's a problem. So even a teacher has to be a lifelong learner if they want to continue to be an effective teacher. Old dog. Number seven, the seventh discipline. Whoo of wealth the seventh discipline of wealth service service it's going a little bit longer than i thought Our instagram gonna cut off on us if y'all want to keep on going y'all on instagram you better come over to facebook and we're gonna finish this we're gonna finish these nine service people will make you rich or keep you broke we can probably stop right there <laughs> i mean my good people will make you rich or keep you broke depending on the way you serve them you should decide at the outset if the if millionaireship is your goal then you're going to make people inside your organization and out your primary concern millionaires realize the value of service the value of service your rewards in life will be in direct proportion to your service. I was told, each of us in, is here to serve others. Service is the price you pay for the space you occupy. And everyone can serve. Everyone can serve. Here's the principle, guys. Right? 
that service to others, you you are probably providing a product and or service to others at this point. If you are in business or if you have a job, you're providing some type of product or service. And if you want to level up for your income, then you must find a way, figure out a way in order to provide more service and better service than you're currently providing. That will command, everybody putting also command, that command cash to come to your pocket. So as I think about myself and I think about what I do, I do a lot, right? And I provide a lot of service, but I realize I can provide even more. So that's why I'm bringing back the black, black virtual marketplace. I want to serve black business owners. I want to give them a space that is cost effective for them to market their stuff and find more customers. Here's what I've been finding as I go out. Like this event shit ain't what's up. You spend a lot of money doing events, trying to get the event, secure the spot, to get your stuff together as far as your products and stuff, to go to the event, to then try to sell stuff, good and or bad. It's not a profitable, it's not a profitable exchange for the vendor. It's typically a profitable exchange for the organizer. So I'm saying, well, why not? Why don't we use this thing called the internet to then create a virtual vending space? And that's not gonna cost a lot of money. You ain't gotta spend $100, you know, $100, $300, $500. Matter of fact, I would venture to say we could spend less money and reach more people. Would you agree? Think about it for a second. If I go to something, we just had a We Buy Black convention, $500 have been there, right? To reach maybe less, let's just say you reach a thousand people. And we think that's good. Well, what if I took that same $500 and I invested it into marketing or internet marketing? How many people could I reach? How many people do you think, in my comments below, how many people do you think you could reach with $500 if you invested it into internet marketing? How many people do you think you could reach? Probably over 100,000 people. And I'm saying to myself, we gotta stop, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta work smarter not harder. We still bend, we still put on the show, but we do it all virtually. That is what I'm doing. That's what I'm building. That's what I'm creating for the business owner. The small black business owner who's tired of losing money trying to get exposure. I'm telling you, the it's, it's, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right, Jennifer, it's, all, it's unlimited. Look how far we can go, how many people can re we can reach right on their desktop, their PC, their laptop, their iPad, their mobile phone, if we take that money that we've been investing into these events, which don't bring us profit, and we put that into marketing, into something that can bring us profit. I'm trying to tell you, I'm about to change the game. Why? Because I am a game changer. And because I study wealth. I study wealth. And here's what I also have seen. That those people who are the top in my field, they are never at these events. Why is that? The top people in my field, the top of the top of the top in my field, I never see them at these events. Why is that? So get ready for a change, baby. Service. So that's going to be a service that I provide. That's going to be more service and better service for my potential clients. You see how I'm just saying I'm going to take it to another level in what I provide? I'm going to take it to another level in what I offer? What about you? 
How can you provide more service and better service in the field in which or the community in which you serve? The nine disciplines of wealth. Number seven, service. Now I'm gonna give you the last two Instagram because they might cut off if you only get an hour on Instagram. We gotta keep going though. The last two is uh is spirituality and savings. If you want to continue this alone, you're gonna pick up the uh, New Black Wall Street Book Club podcast, or you're gonna come on switch on over here to Facebook where we're gonna finish up. So number eight, the eighth discipline to wealth. The eighth discipline to wealth is spirituality. The eighth discipline to wealth is spirituality. Okay. Now, one second. I may just do, should I do another bit? No, I don't know. No, I'm not going to do another one. Instagram is what it is. One second, guys. Let me finish this thing up. We got, we're going to work today. We got to finish this thing up. Spirituality. Okay. The majority of millionaires maintain a close personal relationship with their creator. And a, a belief that the Almighty has a plan for their life. Everybody put it down. So he has a plan for me. He has a plan for me. Divine guidance rather than religion, dogma, or doctrine seems to make a difference in achieving grand objectives. A faith provides inner strength on a consistent basis. As one interviewee stated, if you have faith, if you have the faith, God certainly has the power. The majority nurture their belief system through daily prayer and affirmation. Those surveyed went on to say that to succeed, entrepreneurial hopefuls should work hard, be honest in all business dealings, and trust in the Lord with all your heart and soul. Now, from Proverbs states this, pray to God, but roll for the shore. Is this interesting? If you have the faith, God certainly God certainly has the power. If you have the faith, God certainly has the power. If you have the faith, God certainly has the power. Now, isn't this interesting, beautiful people? And we began our broadcast today with our affirmation of the day. And the majority of millionaires, the majority of the successful, nurture their belief system through daily prayer and daily affirmations. That's why we're doing affirmation every day. You know what we're doing? We're just, we're just, we're just mimicking. We're just implementing the habits of the wealthy, the habits of the successful. Now, I also understand that this is not for everybody. That's why we get we don't have you know hundreds of thousands of people tuning in at this point in time. Why is that? Because most people don't do, have no desire to be wealthy. Most people have no desire for success. They have, the only thing they desire is the, the same thing different day. They want routine. They want the same thing different day. I, I don't want that. You know what I want today? I want more today than I had yesterday. I'm going to want more tomorrow than I had today. I want more, more and more. But I also understand in order for me to have more, I must become more. In order for me to get better, I must get better. 
I can't. It, it, the reason why people get the same thing different days because they were the same person today that they were yesterday. Haven't changed. Therefore, things haven't changed for them. I'm telling you, be be cautious. I mean, go the, run the other way. Get a, get away from people who are the same thing different day. That just means they simply have not changed. For some reason, they think things will change for them even if they don't change. I'm telling you to walk away. This is the, that's the verbiage of the unsuccessful. That is the vocabulary of the poor. Walk away. You mean to tell me you're the same today as you were 20 years ago? Walk away. They can't help you to grow. They can help you to stay the same though. And if you stay the same, you'll get the same. And they say what the definition of sadity is wanting something different, expecting something different, right? Can't expect something different if you're going to keep doing the same. Going to the same. Think about it. You want you even even if your job, even if it's on a job, you want to pay. You want them to pay you more, but you do you do the same work. That doesn't make sense. Why would you get paid more? Why would you get a raise to do the same thing? That doesn't make sense. Would you give somebody a raise if they kept doing the same thing? No, you wouldn't. That's why you haven't gotten a raise yet. Because you're doing the same. You're just doing your job. You're just doing what you're supposed to. You're just doing what you got hired to do. And you're expecting them to pay you more this year. That doesn't make any sense. I'm, I, I, in the job description, I said, hey, you do this job and I will pay you this much. You came to the job and you did this job and I paid you so much. Then at the end of the year, he said, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. And I said, yes, you did. That's why I paid you this much. That was the agreed upon contract. Now, if you decide that on your job, you're going to do more than what you get paid for, then eventually, guess what will happen? They'll pay you more. And say, hey, here's what we, uh, here's the agreement. Here's what you're going to get paid for for you to do. You say, yes, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do more. I'm going to participate in things. I'm going to uh, be at every one of your volunteer functions. I'm going to make myself known as a team player. And they say, hey, this person here, not only did they do what we uh, what we, uh, what we agreed upon to do, look what else they do. Look how valuable they become to our company. Their face is everywhere. Everybody knows them. They're the go-to person. Look how valuable this person has become. We're not paying them for the work that they do, no longer. We're paying them for the value that they bring to our organization. Everybody put it on to a value. Now this type of stuff we gotta teach our children. How to increase in value so that you can increase your bank account. So you can increase your income. How to grow in value so you can grow, I probably need to do a webinar on that. How to grow in value so you can grow in income. This is stuff we weren't taught. We were not taught how to grow in value. How to really how to literally make yourself irreplaceable. Even if it's on the job. Now, how did I get to this? Spirituality. I guess. I don't know.
this book as well. Disciplines, control, pattern of behavior, self-control. The ninth discipline of wealth. The ninth pattern of behavior. The ninth, the ninth code of ethics, you can say. Savings. Savings. More than talent, intellect, education, or skill, the habit of saving is the key to amassing a fortune. The habit of saving is the key to amassing a fortune. The philosophy of wealthy, of the wealthy versus the poor is this. The rich invest their money and spend what's left. The poor spend their money and invest what's left. And guess how much the poor have left? Nothing. The philosophy of the wealthy is that the, uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the rich is that they invest their money and spend what's left. The poor spend their money and invest what's left. Pay yourself first. As it matters. You can't save at least 10% of your income. The seeds of greatness aren't in you. The habit of thrift not only opens the door to opportunity, but is a safeguard against our own weaknesses, the tendency to scatter our earnings. The saving of money so often means the saving of the individual. Some of the shrewdest businessmen and women I know believe that thrift is a character trait well worth developing. They cherish their savings and abhor debt. Slow and steady wins the race. John Rogers of Area Capital Management Assets attests. Maximus Joshua Smith agrees. If it's in your back, if it's on your back, it's not in the bank. And if it's not on your ass, it's not an asset. Oh, if it's on your ass, it's not an asset. Those who understand interest earn it. Those who don't pay it. The lesson is clear. If you do nothing but change the way you manage your current income, it could change your life. It's not what you earn that makes you wealthy. It's what you keep. If you do nothing, but change the way you manage your current income, it could change your life. Now here's what I find very interesting, billionaires. It's how it's how how much of a connection there is to our money and our life. To how we spend our money and how we spend our life. How we invest our money and how we invest our life. There's such a connection, as it said in Matthew 21, at 621, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. There is such a connection between our heart, our intuition, our insides, the, the totality of who we are, and our money. We don't, we don't really look at it that way, but it truly is. If you do nothing else, of all of these different principles, these nine disciplines of wealth, if you simply change the way you manage your current income, it could change your life. Now, who's that, who's here today that's saying, you know what? I want my life to change. Well, I want you to understand it's going to require this one thing that we've been talking about all morning long. Discipline. And what is discipline again? It's control gained by forcing uh, obedience or order. It's self-control. 
There is nobody, and I mean nobody, who can make you discipline yourself. It's going to have to be something that you decide, something that becomes important to you to practice self-control. Now, here's some things I think that you can do. See, it it takes discipline for me to come on at 8 o'clock every day and do this broadcast. Well, maybe it's going to take discipline for you to show up every day at 8 o'clock to watch this broadcast. That's something simple. You're saying, you know what? Let me just get up. Let me tune in. Let me get some help. And it could be as simple, you think, it could be as simple as tuning in 8 a.m. every day, which is a symbol, a sign of practicing discipline. Because it's something that you uh, do consistently. You understand what I'm saying? And that could that be the beginning? Could that be the start? Could that be life-changing, altering, a new habit? Yes, it could. Because here on the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we feed you good stuff to eat. But we can lead you to water, but we can't make you drink. Your discipline, your self-control, your life. Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, says, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is, Mr. DJ. Hit the music. New, new, new black, new. It's the new black Wall Street Book Club. With your host, Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Now you ain't got to leave the computer. But we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the new black Wall Street Book Club. Book Club. Yeah. Thank you.